I'm happy to be here at this online conference today with you about how to negotiate life after divorce. Because in as much as there are an abundance of resources out there to help people progress to their new life after divorce, it is not something that a lot of people think about doing. We think, well, I was single before, so I just go back to being who I was last time I was single. But that is sort of like a person losing a job and being unemployed again and saying, well, I've been unemployed before, so I just go back to doing what I did last time to find a job. That sounds reasonable on the surface, but it does not take into consideration a few things, right? Such as the job market has changed since the last time you were job hunting. Not only do you have to update your resume, but the way people format their resumes are completely different now. Cover letters aren't even expected for many positions today as they were 20 years ago. Many job interviews are done online or over the phone. You may need some new clothes for an interview if you do get asked to call in. Those jeans you've been wearing to work every day may not cut it out for a job. Are your skills and your knowledge of the industry up to date? Lots of things have changed and it is the same thing with those of us who are coming out of marriage. Lots of things have changed, most especially ourselves. You're familiar with this story, right? The disciples of John came to Jesus asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And in response, Jesus offered a few analogies. One about guests of a bridegroom not mourning while they are with him. Another about no one puts a piece of um, unshrunk cloth on an old garment because the patch will tear away from the garment, leaving the worst tear. And another one about no one puts new wine to old wineskins because the skins will burst and cause all the new wine to spill. Rather than a new patch and new wineskin analogy, I like to say that new things demand a new rhythm, a new movement. And this is especially makes sense if you can envision a liturgy of the Mass as a type of divine symphony, as I describe in my book under that same title. For as the classical symphony orchestras typically consisted of four movements, so too does the Mass consist of four movements, the opening of penitential rites, the liturgy of the Word, the liturgy, the whole Eucharist, and the closing or concluding rites. And each of those movements demand that we commit ourselves to the new rhythm, to the new rhythm or new tempo that they present. One of the hardest things in finding that new rhythm after divorce is walking away from your old baggage. I'm telling you, it's hard. It is hard to get a new rhythm with a dead beat <laughs> or when you're playing those same old songs. I get it though. Habitually or um, instinctually, we always want to grab a hold of that old baggage off the conveyor belt and walk into our new life with it. Because it's our baggage. We earned it. That, that's my stuff in there. I get it. It's hard to walk away from baggage. Even the homeless ladies, even, even the, the old bag ladies will grieve you. You see how much baggage they carry around. Habitually or instinctually, we always want to start singing those old songs, those old melod melodies that move us, that, that keep us into that safe space, old habits are comfortable. For me, it was hard to find a new song to sing at first because I was completely powerless when my wife told me that she's filing for divorce. It wasn't what I wanted. And I, I fought for years um, and, and pleading with her, writing her love letters and sending her cars and poems. I fought and I prayed for my marriage harder than anything I fought or prayed for before or, or since. And through that, 
I, I finally learned to love my wife as she had always deserved to be loved. But it was too much too late, as she called it. But looking back, if I'm being honest, I was fighting for more for myself than I was for us. I was fighting against failure, which is the worst fight to lose. I was fighting against not wanting to be like my father. I was fighting against the, the promise I made myself that I would not be like him and see my kids just on weekends. I, I was fighting against my stepfather. I was, I was fighting against the idea of my, my daughters having a stepdad and feeling like I felt when, as a kid when, with, my, with my stepfather. I felt that he loved his um, biological kids more than he loved me. I was fighting against the regrets and fighting against a lot of stories I had told myself over the years. Those are tough things to fight and tougher things to lose against because you lead to fight wounded and beaten and bruised. And if you don't accept the grace that I lost and walk away from it, those wounds and bruises make it really hard to find a new rhythm of life. Simon Peter is someone who I find in the scriptures as struggling at times to find a, that new rhythm. He was not divorced, but the Lord plucked him away from a very comfortable life. A life that was um, in which um, he was well trained in and, and seemingly successful. Prior to being called to follow Jesus, if you were to ask Peter, who was he? He would tell you that he was a he was a husband, he was a, a fisherman, perhaps, because that was his identity, and he lost one of those identities overnight when he went to follow Jesus. And you know how that is. One day, you and I. You know, we had, we identified ourselves as a husband or a wife. That was part of our identity. That is who we were. And, and all of a sudden, that part of us was gone. And it's not easy trying to find who you are when all you have known about yourself is who you are in context of a marriage. So we had to learn how to love ourselves again. We had to find a new rhythm and a, a, a new self-love. And, and that is a, a very chaotic process. It is challenging. It is difficult to negotiate. But I look to Peter as someone um, giving us roadmaps on how to find that new rhythm. And the liturgy as well with his molding and shaping us through his rhythm of repetition of standing and sitting and kneeling and praying and standing and sitting and kneeling and praying. It is a tremendous roadmap if we pay attention to it. In the instant case, we do not think of Peter's encounter with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee as a type of liturgy, let alone as a reflection on, a, um, on life after divorce. But it is a great narrative to visit in consideration of both of those things. There is a great deal to be said about all the events leading up to Simon Barjona's um, getting out of the boat to walk to Jesus. But for now, that is where I would begin, because it is in that moment that is most emblematical of life and, and therefore the liturgy. We are always processing throughout our day, even in our sleep, in our, in our dreams, we are moving, even in the universe that we're in, we're, we're always processing life. It's just one constant procession. From the moment we awake to the hour we fall asleep, we are in a procession either to heaven or to hell. It's our choice. But the liturgy intends to remind us with all of its, 
its movements and processions being oriented around what's taking place at the altar um, is like likewise we are too we too are being called to process the Calvary we too in our daily life like at the mass are being called to offer the gifts that God has given us as we do at the mass most especially we're being called to be in the world who we are received through the liturgy the rhythm of life is the rhythm of the liturgy and that's precisely what Simon Bar-Jonah is trying to figure out um, when he asks Jesus Lord if it is you command me to come out on the water for he could have said anything he could have asked the Lord to come nearer to the boat he could have said Lord if it is you say my name he could have asked anything, but Simon Bar-Jonah understood that life was something um, was about something other than staying where you are and letting the currents and waves push you where they want to. No, life was about processing to Jesus. So he asked, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And the Lord said, come. For how can he deny someone wanting to be closer to him? Come, he said. Then the text says that Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. He began his procession to Jesus, just as we all do when we get in line to receive the Holy Eucharist. The conventional wisdom at this part of the narrative is that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and, and that is why he began to sink. I like that idea in context of the liturgy because, because sometimes when we are processing to encounter Jesus, the Holy Eucharist, we too, you know, when we're in that line where we're walking up, sometimes we too get distracted and miss out on the grace found in retaining a singular focus on Christ. But too much attention is given to Simon Bar-Jonah's failure than his success. Too much attention is given to what he did wrong than what he did right. Yes, yes. He took notice of the strong wind and began to drown. But we are all drowning if you didn't know it or not. We are all drowning in this life. But what does Simon Barjona do? Does he try to swim back to the boat? Does he tread water to stay afloat? Does he call back to James, Andrew, and John for, hey, a little help, guys. No. He says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Then the text says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. This is an amazing image to consider. Imagine it for a moment and give us some consideration. If Peter was sinking and Jesus reached out to him, we, we, we have here an image of the elevated cross or, or an, an image of the, the elevated Holy Eucharist. Peter was looking up and looking down back at him was Jesus with his, with his hand out. The text says that Jesus caught him. So Peter, so what that means is Peter was moving away or moving down. While he intended to process towards Jesus, he found himself moving away. That happens. But it's strange for the Lord to catch him and pull him up, soaking wet, winds blowing and all, 
waves crashing and all against them. The strong grip of the Lord just snatched Simon Bar-Jonah up out of the water, soaking wet, is a powerful image and a reminder. What does life after divorce look like? Different for everyone. <laughs> there, there's no um, cookie cutter print or, or mathematical formula. It is different for everyone. But what the liturgy is teaching us all is the same thing. That God intends for us to have the same rhythm in life as we do during the liturgy. The liturgy begins with a sign of the cross. So should your day. The liturgy then reconciles us to God through penance. So too should our day begin with this acknowledgement that we are sinners in need of God's grace. The liturgy then confesses to us through the scriptures how much God loves us. And so too should these words of love, encouragement, training, and admonishment remain on our minds and on our lips and in our hearts throughout the day. The liturgy then calls us to communion with him who we were created for. And so too um, do we freely give away what we have been given. The liturgy then dismisses us into the world to be like him who we have received. Whenever we find ourselves standing and sitting and kneeling during the day, we should always recall that our whole body was created to magnify the glory of God. So that we, whenever we find ourselves sitting or standing and kneeling during the day, we shall be reminded of our very purpose, why we were created. That is the rhythm of the liturgy and the rhythm of life. And that is a beautiful thing to find and a divine way to process, process through this life. But along the way, there will be times that we sink especially during those chaotic times after divorce and, and trying to fall in love with ourselves again. But as we process to Calvary in our new rhythm, always remember that you are not any better than Simon, son of Jonah, with his hand reaching out of the water and being carried away because we all drown. We all move away. Some of us are drowning all day long. But in keeping that fact ever before you, that you are always processing and always sinking, always keep those three words ever on your tongue. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And you will be fine. And you will find your new rhythm. But until then, and until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.